Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. You know, um, we watched, um, Paris and I watched part of that um, show last night. I guess it's called AD. It started, this particular one started at the death and the crucifixion of Christ. And, you know, each one of those Jesus movies has a different spin on, on what, what it might have been like. And um, this was, to me, it was, so, it was so cool to me. You know, this showed the, it really focused on the, the, the fact that the priests wanted to make sure that the prophecies about him being raised from the dead didn't come true. Good luck with that. And so they got Roman soldiers and temple soldiers and set them outside the grave and then put a Roman seal on it. And then it, then it showed that Easter morning when the, it's like, it was almost like the way that this particular dis- depiction of it was, it was like a comet or a meteor came from heaven and came and, and it was actually an angel coming. It looked like a meteor. It came and, right, came and sat down on top of the, on the stone. And then it's like inside you see this light just, just coming out of, the, out of the tomb. And then the angel go down and, you know, push the stone away. And, you know, I was, I, was, I, ke- I kept seeing in my mind this light in that tomb. This light in that tomb. This is the light of the world. This is the light that, that entered into our darkness and changed everything for us. And in a moment of time, for me it was August of 1973, and in a moment of time, light came into my soul and drove out the darkness. And I was alive for the first time. And I began to see for the first time and hear for the first time and, and feel spiritual things in my heart and to, to feel this strange love to love and to be loved like I'd never known before for the first time. It's the, it's the resurrection. We were once enslaved to our own sins. We were in a, in a, in a casket, doomed for eternity to, to live away from God until that fateful day when Christ came and, and awakened us from the dead. And just like he cried out Lazarus' name down into that tomb, he spoke into, the, into time and he called out your name and you heard his voice and began to respond. And you began to live and love finally. Amen. So I'm gonna, this morning, I'm going um, to um, share with you out of John chapter 14. This is, um, what an incredible night. John 14 was the night that... Um, Jesus was spending his last few moments with his disciples. He'd spent three years with them, and this was his last night. He'd finished supper. That last supper had, been ta- had taken place. He'd washed their feet. And then as they were reclining at dinner, Jesus began to teach about, the, about what was coming. John 14, 15, and 16. Um, I've, over the last few days, I've been reading these three chapters again and again. John 14, 15, and 16. It's one long discourse like a, a sermon or a teaching that he gave to his his closest followers and this last week as I was thinking about John chapter 14 it dawned on me that John 14 is absolutely loaded with promises from God loaded with promises for you and the good news is these promises have either all come true or about to come true uh, you know rapidly in all of our lives and so I, you know, as I, as I was thinking about John 14 this morning, I started thinking about the promise and, or, or, the, or the, the declaration in, Pro, in Proverbs that says that he daily loads us with benefits. He's loaded my life with promises. 
I'm embracing those promises and they're coming true in my life. So let's, let's just feast. I don't know how much of this we'll get through. We'll just eat on it and um, feast on God's bread for our, our day. Um, this morning, um, John 14, verse 1, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Obviously, they were troubled. They were afraid. Jesus was about to leave them. They didn't know what, would, what was coming next in their life. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says something that's very powerful. He says, in my Father's house, everyone say this with me, in my Father's house are many mansions. Now this is, um, what an incredible word. You know, and, it, and it, of course it draws a picture in our brain. This, what, what, what is this, what are these mansions like? You know, we, we picture what our version of a mansion would be like. If we, could, if we could only see it. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, I, I don't really need a mansion when I get to heaven. Just give me a, a shack over in glory somewhere. I'll be happy with that. But this is, this is not talking about that kind of mansion. Because all throughout this chapter, these next couple of chapters, Jesus uses this same phrase, this translated mansions in this verse. And in the other portions of John 14, he uses the word abide or to live. What he's describing in John 14 is, I'm going away to prepare a new life for you. I'm going away to prepare a new place for you to live your life. (coughs) Excuse me, I've got um, throat issues this morning. It's not, nothing bad. I think I just strained my voice um, shouting earlier. But anyway... So he, he's saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a new place. Oh, it's not a physical place, but it's a real place. It's a new place for you to live your life. Now, we can, we can make a mistake. Yeah, sure, he's talking about an eternal home, a place that we're going to live forever once we leave this life behind. But that eternal dwelling place starts the first day that you call upon the name of the Lord. It starts immediately. It's not something way off in the future. I have a new place to live my life right now. Right now today. Not when I die, but right now today I have a new place to live my life. It's a place that I've found and it's in Christ. It's in His everlasting arms. He's underneath me. He's around me. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He is my new home. He's come to live with me and He's come to surround me and care for me. This is a new way to live our life. Oh no, He's not just a, a ticket to heaven. He's not just a a, a meal ticket that we punch so we can have good things and live a long time period of life. He is life itself. He is this new life. And it's Him, in Him we live our new life. It's in Christ. And this promise that He was getting ready to to give to them was this, this promise of this incredible coming of the Holy Spirit. Now He says in the next verse, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now, the problem they were having is is Jesus had finally come. The the messianic promises they had been waiting for for hundreds of years as a nation had been fulfilled. And they were sitting there looking at the Messiah. Jesus had come. He had come and he was there. But now he's telling them about about another coming. He's telling them, I'm I'm here, just like the song we were singing this morning. In one sense, he's already here. But in another sense, he's still yet to come. Oh yeah, I'm grateful for what he's done. But I know there's more on the way. 
So these disciples were experiencing Christ in his earthly ministry. They were about to experience a whole other dimension when he came in the power of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And they got swept into a, a whole new world. Yeah, he was coming in the person of the Holy Spirit. He was there, but yet he was about to come in a new way. And even on the day of Pentecost, when he came in the fullness of his power, yes, he had come. Yes, he had come. The kingdom had come. The Holy Ghost was there. But he is even here today. He's here, but not yet. Yeah, we've tasted of the powers of the world to come. We've been filled with the fullness of his power. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. But yes, there is a physical bodily return of our Lord Jesus Christ about to take place. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, there'll be a trumpet blast and there'll be a shout and the dead in Christ will rise first. Christ will return for His own. Our life is short. Our life is precious. Our life is valuable. We, we are running our race and in a moment of time we're going to blink and we're going to be stepping ourselves into eternity. Make this life count. It's the only one you have. You're not going to have another second opportunity. Make this one count. Run this life in such a way that when you finish this race, you'll say, I've run my race. I've finished the course and there's stored up for me a crown of righteousness. Hallelujah. Yeah, He's prepared our eternal home for us. It's here, but it's not yet. Yeah, I'm experiencing it now. I'm tasting the edge of it, but there's more to come. I'm so grateful that He's come in the, in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I know there's more to come. His kingdom is coming, and I want to live and reign with Him for eternity. Hallelujah. Now He goes on as He loads them with these promises. John 14, 12. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Shocking promise, but it's true. It's a shocking word. These guys can't believe. They can't believe what their ears are hearing. At this point, they really didn't care. All they wanted to, to know is he wasn't going to leave them physically, but he was. And he went on to tell him, it's better for you if I go away. When I go away, the comforter's going to come. And the things that I've done, you're going to do also. Peter, you're going to have a powerful ministry. People are going to get saved. John, you're going to have a powerful ministry. You're going to write prophetic letters. James, you're going to lay hands on the sick. People are going to recover. Andrew, you're going to preach the gospel all over Europe. Greater things than these shall you do. Yes, he says, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my father this promise is almost unthinkable it's so big and so awesome it's hard to, to grasp it or wrap our arms around it but it's true don't try to explain it away this promise is not only for the 12. This promise is for us. It's for Victory Fellowship. It's for you and for your family. God has a promise for you. The things that Jesus did, shall you do also. Because He's gone to the Father. And He sent the Comforter to anoint us and baptize us with power from on high. So that we can lay our hands on the sick. And we can drive out devils. And that we can speak in other tongues. Amen. In Jesus' name. Yeah, He's given us some precious promises. He's preparing a home for us. 
He will soon return. And he said that we will perform supernatural works just like him. Verse 13 and 14, he says, whatever you ask, whatever you ask in my name. Now, this is not a formula per se. This is someone that's walking in fellowship with him, that's walking in his authority and his love with his kingdom interests at heart. Whatever you ask in my name, in my authority, under my direction, that I will do. I'm going to work in your life. Signs and wonders are going to take place that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Oh, God is stretching forth his hands to change people's lives that the name of Jesus can be glorified. He's healing broken bodies, restoring broken marriages, driving out foolishness from people's hearts, bringing people out of a lifestyle that's conflicted into becoming men and women of God so that he might be glorified. You know, at the end of the day, the Lord is after your testimony because he's after the people that know you and love you. Oh, yes, some of you, some of you, maybe your family's given up on you. Maybe they've given up because you've let them down and done foolish things over and over and over again. Well, in a moment of time, you can have a life change. God's after a testimony in your life so that people can see that Christ is alive. That his power is real. He's after his testimony so he can win your family to Christ. That they can come in to the kingdom of God. He's given precious promises. He goes, I'll skip over to John 16, verse 23 and 24. It's still the same discourse, the same message. He says, in that day, in the day, in the day of the Lord, in the day when the kingdom come, when, when after, after he dies and raises from the dead, and the Holy Spirit comes. In that day, in the day of the Lord, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask. Go ahead and ask. If you're troubled this morning, ask. Go ahead and ask. And what will happen? That your joy may be full. Now, here's the, here's the beauty of prayer. God is, God is a... Sometimes I would have to say God is a, a strange God. And he answers our prayers in strange ways. If you're, if you're crushed, if you're broken, if you're confused, and you begin to cry out to God, and I mean you get serious about crying out to God, you start pressing in and, and you say, God, I need you. I need you to meet me. I need you to meet me. Lord, I can't live another day. I need you to meet me. I need you to change my circumstances. I need divine intervention in my life. This is what happens. He hears your prayer. He doesn't send an angel to answer the prayer, he comes himself. He comes himself in the person of the Holy Ghost. He shows up when you begin to call on the name of Jesus. You try it. You start calling out and singing the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete will come himself and visit you. And what I've seen in my life, that oftentimes you won't even care if your prayer gets answered. It won't even matter anymore. I pray you might not understand that, but when he walks in the room, nothing else matters. When he walks in the room, oftentimes your prayer changes. 
Oftentimes what you're praying for changes. Oftentimes what you think you need changes when he walks into the room. And he begins to fill you with himself. He begins to fill you with what Jesus called fullness of joy. He begins to satisfy your thirsty soul with himself. He fills you up with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And then we're reading on back in John, and he he promises, I'll pray the Father. I'll pray the Father, and he will give you alos parakletos, another helper. They had no idea what he was talking about, but they found out about 40 days later. They had no idea, but on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there came a sound from heaven, like the sound of a rushing mighty wind. The whole house was filled, and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they began to experience the power of signs and wonders. Yes, the very same power that was on Jesus came upon the disciples in response to this prophetic promise. I will pray to the Father, and the Father will give you another helper the holy ghost and he will abide with you forever that has come we live we live in the age of the holy spirit oh yes this is the age of the holy spirit this is the church age where there is still a precious amount of time until jesus returns we live in that period of time called the age of the church the age of grace between the first and second coming of jesus christ this is the time where where god is gathering in all flesh all mankind anyone who calls upon the name of the lord in this season can be saved can be born again, and can be filled with the Holy Spirit, can experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized with the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about something greater than water baptism. I'm talking about immersion into the substance of heaven. This heavenly person called the paraclete who will fill every part of you, satisfy every part of you, transform every part of you, heal every part of you, and make you into a new man, into a new woman. Transformed by the touch of God. By the touch of God can change you in a moment of time. Oh no, it's, this is not a creed or a philosophy. We're talking about a person. Oh, he's, he's able to change you in a moment of time. Open up your hearts. Give room for love in your life. Let him move into your life. Experience for yourself this taste of heaven. Verse 18, he gave them a promise. He's, he sees the, 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 the fear on their hearts. The fear and the sadness on their faces as he's talking to them that night. They didn't want him to die. They didn't want him to leave. They didn't know what tomorrow was going to look like. They didn't know about the baptism and the Holy Spirit and about all of that. They just knew that Jesus was leaving them. And they were, they were afraid. It was all over their faces. And Jesus, I will not leave you as orphans. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. He did even better than that. He not only didn't leave us as orphans, he sent, like Paul said, the spirit of adoption into our hearts. 
He sent the spirit of sonship into our hearts where we became sons and daughters of the Most High God. We became heirs of God and fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. He sent the spirit into our hearts and we were born again. Once we were children of the devil, we were children of darkness without a, a future in heaven. And in one moment of time, the spirit of a, adoption came into our soul and we came, became a different kind of human being, a brand new race with a brand brand new father with a brand new elder brother with a brand new power called the Holy Ghost. He didn't leave us as orphans. He didn't leave them to fight the Romans by themselves. He came himself and filled them inside and outside. The spirit of adoption inside of them. The fire of the Holy Ghost upon them so they could preach with the power of God. He continued to promise, give them promises. He's loading them with promises. The helper the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. Wow, He's the teacher. He's the one that unfolds the Scriptures to us. You know, before I was born again, several times I tried to read the Bible. It was like reading blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. I couldn't understand it. I tried to read it because I knew I was supposed to read it. And, and I never, you know, I'd start, of course, in Genesis and never get out of Genesis. You, you could, and try to get through Leviticus and Exodus and, and, and some of the, all of that. And, and I, I, it was like lost in a fog. It was speaking a different dialect, a dialect that I was unfamiliar with. But when he came, when he came into my life, I begin to speak a new language. I begin to understand a different dialect. I begin to understand heaven talk and love talk and Jesus talk. And I begin to want to read my Bible. He began to lead me into all truth. I'd open the scriptures and, and Jesus would step out of the page. I would feel it. It would transform me. I would actually understand what I was reading. And then when someone would come and try to lead me astray, a, a cult, a, a, someone with a, with a false message, they would come. In, inside, there would be alarms going off inside. No one had to tell me it was wrong. There was Holy Ghost alarms going off inside of me saying, that doesn't line up with the Scriptures. That doesn't line up with the spirit of the Scriptures. People say we can all have our own interpretation. Yeah, you can have your own interpretation, but there's only one right one. And the Holy Ghost is the one who interprets the Scriptures for us. He leads us into truth. You can make it, try to make it say whatever you want. It doesn't mean that that's what it means. It means what the author meant that it meant. The Holy Ghost wrote the book. As he breathed on men of God, he breathed into them and they wrote the scriptures inspired by the Holy Ghost. And you can only understand it when that God breath is breathing on the inside of you, teaching you and leading you into truth. Amen. Now here he gives them promise of peace. He knew that what was about to happen to him, he was about to be arrested, beaten and crucified on a Roman cross. And he gave them this, this incredible promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if some, some knucklehead is going to push the button and we're going to have a nuclear armed race, a, a nuclear 
explosion that takes place. Who knows what's going to happen? To be honest with you, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I'm surprised. But by the grace of God. The grace of God is with straining and holding back certain things. He's holding back certain things because of His grace. He's holding back certain things because there's others that need to be saved. There's others in this nation. There's others in Iraq and Afghanistan and Egypt in the Middle East that need to know Christ. He's holding back by His grace. But the day's coming when that grace will be removed. And in that day, we don't have to be afraid. Oh, we don't have to be afraid. We can stand tall like the disciples stand tall and listen to this promise. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. No, no matter what comes, come what may, we have supernatural peace. It's not dependent on who's in the White House, not dependent on who's in control of this world, because at the end of the day, I know who sits at the right hand of God, who's pulling all the strings. I know who's running the show. I'm afraid. Then he goes on with his promises, I am the vine, John 15, 5. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Abide in him, cling to him. Lean upon Him. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to have success in this life. He's going to use you for the glory of God. Verse 7, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Your heart will beat with God's heart. Your prayers will be His prayers. You'll see your prayers coming out and being fulfilled because you're connected to Him, and He's connected to you, and your prayers will be answered. And the promise of fullness of joy. Uh, These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. Fullness of joy. He promised it again. We're finishing up. Let me read these last couple of promises from John 16. He promised that he would be our spiritual guide. When you don't know which way to turn, what decisions to make, when there's an unexpected turn in the road of your life and you don't have a scripture and verse that says, what you're supposed to do. If you're filled with His Word and His wisdom and filled with His Spirit and walking with Him on a daily basis, you can stand on these promises. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you. He will guide you. He'll be your shepherd. You'll hear His voice. He'll gently lead you into His purpose and plans for your life. Spiritual guidance from the Lord's. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. He's given us a promise, and this promise is that God's going to be glorified. The devil's going to lose. Christ will be exalted. All things that the Father has, Jesus said, are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and he will declare it to you. Christ will be lifted up in these last days. In this last verse that I want to read, these things I've spoken unto you. He's telling, this is the last thing he said before he went into Gethsemane, before he was arrested, before he was beaten and nailed to the Roman cross. It's the last thing he said to them. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now here's, we don't want to hear this part, but it's, it's still true. In the world, you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. You know why you'll have trouble? Because there's, whether you figure it out or not, or yet. There are bad people out there. There are people that don't love the kingdom of God. There are people that are against the advancing of the kingdom of God. 
And you can't just reason with them. They're enemies of Christ. There's, they're enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do you do? Ignore them and preach the gospel. You love Christ and you love hurting people. You find broken people. You follow the Lord and ignore the knuckleheads. Just listen. They'll be blah, 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 blah. Turn them off. Don't listen to them and continue on preaching Christ and loving, loving hurting people. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What a bold statement. Didn't look like he had overcome the world. Didn't look like he had overcome the world. He was about to be arrested. He was about to be humiliated by the Romans. He was about to be disgraced by the high priests. Humiliated and grievously treated and beaten beyond recognition and nailed to a cross and put into a grave. Didn't look like he had overcome the world. Sometimes it won't look like that in your life. Sometimes things won't be exactly the way you hoped that they would have been. You might not be able to write everything perfectly in your life. Hold on to God. Hold on to His Word. He's still seated at the right hand of God. His promises are still true. He has still overcome the world. There's still the kingdom coming. In that day, the Lord will come and He'll make every crooked place straight. He'll, he'll show you why things went the way they went. Just trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. And trust Him to the end. So in my Father's house, in my Father's house, there are many mansions in my father's house. In my father's house, there's a table prepared for me. In my father's house, there's not only a table prepared, there's a place for me at the table with my name on it. And I can sit myself at that table and delight myself in the fullness of my father's house. It's a place of rest when the storms are raging. When the storms are surrounding, I have a place of rest in my Father's house. It's where Jesus lived His life. Lived it in a storm, resting in God. Trusting in God. Trusting in the kingdom come. God has a plan for you. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.